This is how Matthew Perry wanted to be remembered. I've had a lot of ups and downs in my life. I'm still working through it personally. But the best thing about me is that if an alcoholic or drug addict comes up to me and says, will you help me? I will always say, yes, I know how to do that. I will do that for you, even if I can't always do it for myself. So I do that whenever I can, in groups or one-on-one. And I created the Perry House in Malibu, a sober living facility for men. I also wrote my play, The End of Longing, which is a personal message to the world, an exaggerated form of me as a drunk. I had something important to say to people like me and to people who love people like me. When I die, I know people will talk about friends, friends, friends. And I'm glad of that. Happy I've done some solid work as an actor, as well as given people multiple chances to make fun of my struggles on the World Wide Web. But when I die, as far as my so-called accomplishments go, it would be nice if friends were listed far behind the things I did to try to help other people. I know it won't happen, but it would be nice. That is so lovely. That is so lovely. I have a lump in my throat. (laughs) And there's something else he said. And there's a lump in my throat too. There's something else that he said. He said, I would like to be remembered as somebody who lived well, loved well, was a seeker. And his paramount thing is that he wanted to help people. And he did. He did. As much as he could. Maybe he couldn't help himself, as he said. I know. And uh, Matthew Perry's passing away suddenly feels like a void. It feels like Somebody one you intimately, a friend, a relative, a cousin, a dear cousin. Somebody has passed away and you can't quite put your finger on why you're so disturbed. But we are. I am very disturbed. I think firstly, his appeal uh, transcends generations, right? Uh, uh, the appeal of friends. He happened to be my favorite character uh, in Friends. Him and Rachel, actually. Uh, Chandler Bing and Rachel. But I think that, you know... Uh, Of course, Kiran, as we were discussing uh, earlier today, that when a celebrity from your era dies, it does feel like a personal loss. But, you know, when he's had a sad and tragic life full of struggles and it's tinged with even more sadness, whether it was Robin Williams Hmm. uh, or, you know, Matthew Perry and dying so young. Yes. Okay, so somebody slipping away so young after fighting the inner demons. And still braving it with a smile and making people laugh, making a living out of making people laugh. The character himself, not Matthew, the character Chandler Bing, came from a very difficult background in the sense that he had parents who were divorced. The father had uh, decided to transition. The mother was an erotic novelist. Novelist, And there were all these demons hanging over his head, over the character's head. And I think that's why he identified with the character also. You know what his own childhood was like, right? Yeah. His mother was the press secretary to Justin Trudeau's father when Mm. he was the prime minister. And uh, his father uh, was a small-time actor then. His mother had him when he was 21, when she was 21. And parents split around the same time. He grew grew up shuttling between Canada and the US where his father lived in LA. Because the mother had a full-time job, he was very lonely. Mm. 
Hmm. And you know, in India, a child being lonely is really quite different from a child being lonely in the West because here you have staff and you have neighbors and you have aunts and uncles and all sorts of things. But that's a very cold to the bone sort of a loneliness out there. So that's how he grew up. And then, of course, his mother eventually remarried and had kids. Uh, but he was just sort of dividing time and on his own a lot. So he related and identified with that character immediately. I read a quote, you know, a sort of a... So Gwyneth Paltrow wrote a post on, uh, you know, remembering him. It seems that when he had just finished auditioning for Friends, they were dating each other. Oh, really? And she says those were the happiest memories uh, because they ran around in grass fields of grass and they kissed and he made her laugh a lot. And you can sort of see that. Kiran, when the show came out, we were young and unmarried. Were you married yet? I think I was. I was single. And I think you've been married since forever, since I've you been were born. Ma- yeah, yeah. I was married. But and I was you know, he became my prototype. You know, I think uh, there are things you know about the kind of man you will be drawn to. But you haven't articulated that even to yourself when you're that young. And then you see a character and you're like, actually, that's the kind of man that appeals to me. And he appealed to me because I think humor really is the most attractive feature I find in a man and also kindness. And Mm. his character had that. So I think when they auditioned him, I read the director's quote a while back. He said, in the first take, we knew this is our guy. And so he was essaying his own character. That's what he says, right? He says, when the script came to me and I read it and I said, have they been shadowing me all my life? Do they know this is what I am like? This is me. So he was very clear that Chandler Bing was Matthew Perry. And uh, I don't know whether he was that funny in real life, but it definitely came out on screen. I'm sure he was funny in real life too. If Gwyneth Paltrow said true. She said so. Yeah. And then, you know, this self-loathing that he had. uh, Chandler Bing has so much self-loathing. And it's so fantastic to see somebody talk about the self-loathing like it's another character. Okay, (laughs) Like it's a thing. So I think that's that's why people like his vulnerability, his self-loathing, people found that so relatable. And I was always amazed that he was the only character apart from Ross who had a real job. Statistics. You know? In a bank. <laughs> in a bank. Like, and he had a huge office with a window. <laughs> that's right. And we were at that point in little cubicles. That's right. You know, and, and he, he hates he, his job, but he keeps getting promotions. Yeah. It's killing him. It's killing his spirit. But he keeps getting promotions. And he could have jolly well moved out of there with all those promotions and yeah. assumed the rise in salary. But he kept staying there with Joey <laughs> and getting those lazy boys and that's right. raising ducks. Did you know that in real life he dated Julia Roberts as well? Oh, and uh, nice. it's been quoted, I don't know the source, uh, it may be uh, a myth, but he was in love with uh, Jennifer Aniston and he even went and told yes, her and then he was turned that. down, but they continued to remain friends. I don't know how true that is. I read about that too. And that's interesting, no? that would have totally changed the Monica Chandler equation if that had come to pass. Yeah. I mean, that honor break thing would have never happened with Ross. Yeah. But why did I love Friends so much and maybe Chandler and all of them? I think it was because in a way, this idea of just hanging out with friends, it was part of our childhood. I don't know whether it exists anymore, but the thought that your friends were just across the hall and you didn't have, you know, parents and layers of elders and Mm. you could just go wherever you wanted to Central Park. They Mm. only went to Central Park. They never went pubbing or clubbing or anything. No, we didn't have Central Parks in India back then. Yeah, but you know, they were good. Central Park was then sanitized from a bar to become a nice little coffee place mm-hmm. where you had Gunther there. Yeah. Who was uh, desperately... It was comfort, you know. Yeah. I don't even think it reminded me of my friends 
No. Certainly these friends are better than my friends. They have more fun in this. I felt closer to them than to I my I felt own. closer to them. Yeah. I think you know I think it's more than that. I think that the time that we uh watched this uh show in our lives, they really did become our friends, you know? When you hmm. the minute hmm. you were by yourself, you'd watch them, their goofiness, their love for each other, their being there for each other. I think that uh when you're in your 20s your life is so full of uncertainties hmm. um and this was the one safe place where you felt that this was the one uh, unchanging thing in my life then everything else was changing jobs were changing rentals were changing hmm. uh friendships were changing but this was the one thing that saw us through our 20s in, in a way that which was very consistent and also the security of knowing that no matter how much they mess up by the end of the episode they'll have straightened it out that's right you know life didn't straighten it out for us we went through some pretty whatever stuff but uh, friends would have it sorted by the end of the episode whoever was falling out of love or had a misunderstanding would sort it out yeah. rachel would get a job dream job phoebe would be singing <laughs> melly cat heaven knows why Ro- i love that song ross would be quoting uh, some anthropological statistics and the guys would be falling on him and saying just stop it ross yeah, yeah it was predictable in such a you know how cleverly written show it is so my daughter my older one started watching it when she mm. was in her teens and then we went to LA and she said i want to go and watch the set so they went to universal studios i mean i didn't go but they went and saw the central park set you know in hollywood so imagine what an iconic show to have built at the time and they were going to call it friends like us and then it was called friends or whatever but uh, coming back to perry so we know that he battled depression and anxiety his entire life and he seemed to be quite self aware he and sort of examined where it was coming multiple addictions as well addictions as well right so as a way of coping and that's i think that's where his humor comes from as a way of coping he said that uh, his father is the person his father was a heavy drinker okay and his father introduced him to alcohol at the age of 14 when he was visiting him in la Okay. So he had his first drink at 14 and he said the minute I had that I felt all my worries and my troubles melt away and I'd never felt calmer. And he said thereafter he began to realize that he doesn't even feel love like romantic love till he had alcohol in his body. My goodness. Okay. Okay. So it is that kind of crippling dependency on alcohol. Uh and he was really pissed off by a biblical ex priest who wrote about addictions and he said that we get addicted because we want to and he took him on and he said that some of us are helpless and you will never understand because it's white privilege you come from a sta- standard s- uh, secure childhood i think he pinned it all down to his childhood really mm, childhood traumas and one would never think when you were watching the show that he was going through all that i know i think we were beyond thinking at that time we were we, obsessed with our own troubles yes and, and we watched the show to laugh It, it made us laugh that's it it made us laugh it made us comfortable it lulled us into this kind of security you know that okay there is a world out there where you can just live with your friends and not have to bother about anything it else it was your happy place you yeah. know listen i was watching that episode to re- refresh my memories in which joey tribiani uh, comes and tells them that i've got a big role oh yeah and i'm trying to be in an al pacino movie <laughs> as al pacino's but <laughs> and then he's auditioning no auditioning they call him for the shoot on the set and the and he's taken monica geller's moisturizer in the morning to smooth it smooth in his butt and then chandler comes looking for him and monica says he's in the bathroom but don't go there you don't want to see what's going inside he says come on we have flatmates what are you saying and he goes and he says what have i seen what have i seen 
anyway then this guy is auditioning uh, matle blanc is uh, is shooting for the part and in the shot there's a scene in which he's making strange facial expressions when the camera is only on his butt <laughs> so the director says what are you doing why are you clenching <laughs> and he says i'm clenching because i'm trying to show the conflict in my character's <laughs> mind is coming out of his butt <laughs> but, but you know joey had a lot of stuff so with his stuff he, he gets i mean the next one he does something else with his butt and the guy says how are you doing he said he's come to terms with his emotions and the There's too much method acting happening. Yeah, that they, they too throw, much. They threw him out. They threw him out. And there was another one <laughs> where he had to play a circumcised or an uncircumcised guy, and he was circumcised. A circumcised guy, yeah. yeah. Because and then Monica helps him out with a piece of salami and double-sided tape, <laughs> <laughs> which falls off just as he strips for the audition. Also, there was one in which uh, this is the where Chandler really showed where one day Joey Tribbiani uh, walks in with a man bag, a unisex bag, right? And this whole conversation goes where Chandler says, "Hello, Mrs. Tribbiani. I just <laughs> go and look for Joey <laughs> because he looks like his mom." And then he says that, "Come on, this is unisex." And then he says. I think Rachel says you need sex. He says no, you and I. She says no, 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 not you and I. <laughs> It was just so cleverly done. And I mean, we can still laugh at those jokes, and our kids have laughed at them. And actually, I feel like doing a. Uh, I'm watching it all over again. Yeah, I it's started, like seeing a therapist. Which I've I mean, started. I've started watching it all over again. I'm going to watch it again. Yes. Yeah. And I can never get over both of them with their lazy boys, putting the uh, leg yeah. up, and that duck in the box. Yeah. <laughs> And the duck was an iconic figure for I think most of the later episodes. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what the duck's purpose in life was, but it was there. And Joey was obsessed with the duck, and Chandler was tasked with taking care of the duck. But the duck seemed such a metaphor for their life. It was so fantastic. I mean, I don't think any show has been able to match this. No, it has been voted the best show. It of has. All time. Yes. Did you watch the reunion though? How was no, the? No, I did not watch the reunion. I was. Very scared he, he was, about. He was looking actually. I have to say that while all of them have aged, but because mm-hmm. of his alcohol and painkiller addiction, mm-hmm. uh, Matthew Perry looked the oldest. oldest. Yeah. yeah, he was with his father celebrating his birthday. Okay. Uh, end of August, and I think just one week before his death, also he was hanging out with his family, and they have only found anti-anxiety drugs and depression drugs in his flat because he was clean of alcohol. Oh. After several rehabs, he'd quit that habit. Okay, that's a pity. That's a pity. I I think why we are also shocked is because it's a reminder of our own mortality in a way, uh, Shunali. Yeah. He was fifty four. Fifty four is no age to go, and he was somebody who was part of our golden years, so to say. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the good die young. One show that I can recommend as a replacement sort of of Friends is the Golden Girls. Since Golden. you mentioned our Golden Years, it's fantastic. So yeah, Golden Girls, I must watch that. You know that Friends was the most popular show ever of all time, according to YouTube research. It even beat Game of Thrones and Seinfeld. I'm and not surprised. Why uh, do you think we loved it so much? Why? I is think it? firstly, humor heals you. One is mm. that, and secondly, Seinfeld humor was sort of more acquired taste humor. Mm. It's very high intelligence humor. 
somehow this has sarcasm humor and there's also lowest common denominator it's also slapstick in place it's very accessible which is why my son also loved it that's what i'm saying so i think one was that you know i read somewhere that all the all the years that he was shooting uh helped him cope a lot better mm-hmm. but at 26 he went into rehab and then he had pancreatitis then he slipped into coma at some stage because his colon burst yeah that was quite a horrible right. experience and then did, what were you sharing about that night like when he survived that dreadful night i believe uh, he was speaking about it it was a night he said that he actually faced death he was uh, wheeled into the emergency room with whatever had happened to him and put onto this bipap machine on that night uh, five other five of them totally were on that machine and four did not make it through the night he was the only person who made it through the night yeah and that uh, was his first and most scary rush with, with death, death. Yeah. yeah you know brought uh, on by his addictions he said uh, in one of his interviews that people think that i will be happy in the future when i have more success fame and money and he said i had all of that so much money these guys were really wealthy they made mm. such a pile mm. towards the end they had a profit share and all that right mm-hmm. in the show on N- nbs mm. nbc sorry nbc uh, he said that uh, if there's a void inside you none of this can make you happy and i will read out a quote that he said about you know uh, being rich he said that the idea of being famous the idea of being rich the idea of being me i can't enjoy any of it unless i'm high and i can't think of love without wanting to be high so this is what he's written in his memoirs okay so i think that just look everybody's life is has its ups and downs but somebody who's given so much to you hmm right a comedian who has given so much to you while suffering that pain somehow makes that loss even more piercing i think that's why certain icons passing away and he was not an icon in that sense his show was iconic mm. but certain people's passing away hurts you more than usual is because they've they've just been they've just changed your life and give, brought new comfort in some certain ways uh, if he was a horror film actor or something maybe we wouldn't have felt this way if he was in a crime series as some sort of a hardcore you know monstrous criminal we may not have felt this way it's the warmth he brought into our lives with this great comic timing and his body language it was it was wit sarcasm everything perfect he was perfection as an actor absolutely Yeah I don't think I'm ever going to mourn the guy who played Freddy Krueger. There you go. <laughs> And But you know he did that movie with Salma Hayek also. Fools yeah, Rush In, The Whole Nine Yards. He's a wonderful actor. He was a wonderful actor. It was a pity that his acting career got kind of subsumed by friends. The rest of it. How do we celebrate his life? I mean, we celebrated friends. I know I'm going to watch friends all over again, but I think uh, we need to do more. We need to watch more of the stuff that he did which we aren't really aware yeah. of. He's done a whole body of work which I am not aware of. I watched the whole nine yards. It was lovely. Lo- it was yeah. lovely. That's the only one I've watched. So maybe But we'll do a retrospective. A Matthew Perry. A Matthew retros- Perry retrospective. And may his soul Rest laugh in. in peace. Yes. Amen.